Thank you, Brother Dan. Our lesson this morning, the title is The Privilege of Prayer. A family theme are principles of prayer. Our objective is that we would stay continually in communication with God and by using biblical guidelines as we pray. We have selected scripture for our text this morning. It will be in Matthew, in the book of Romans, also in the book of John, and the book of 1 John, and also 2 Corinthians. We've got three key truths. Number one, God invites us to pray and promises to answer. Isn't that a great thing to know? Number two, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. And number three, uh, the Bible certainly gives us principles to make our prayers effective. Under our Bible basics this morning, we are encouraged to memorize First uh, John five fourteen, and that says, and this is the confidence that we have in Him that if He, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. So uh, I think right there we have one principle prayer. We need to pray according to God's will. Okay. And we know if we do that, he does hear us. So where does this lesson fit in the overall scope of the Bible? Well, the truth of the matter is, when you think about prayer, you find it throughout the Scriptures, both New Testament as well as Old Testament. And today, I think we're going to learn some good principles that we can apply every day to our prayer lives. Under our Get Started this morning, we want to go to Matthew 21, verse 22. Let's all turn there, if you will. Matthew 21, verse 22. And... Uh, I'd like to get a volunteer to read that, please. Anybody got it? Matthew 21, verse 22. Okay, thank you, Dan. What does that mean? What does that mean? Okay. Oh, okay. that's a good, a good thought, because, you know, so many people take that verse out of context, and how many know you don't build your theology on one or two verses? Now, certainly, the good thing is God does want us to pray. There's no doubt about that. But my question is, is that like God giving us a blank check, whatever we want we get? No. There are some principles that we're going to learn today if we're going to pray if I can share them. Yes, indeed. In fact, if, if he does answer a prayer, we know he's prayed, we've prayed according to his will. Okay, So there, that's, a, that's a, certainly a key principle here. And so, again, uh, we don't want to build our theology just one or two verses. We're going to see what does the Bible say about prayer. Now, if we think about our Christian life, if you're born again, you began probably with some kind of a prayer. Uh, some people call it the sinner's prayer. I'm not sure that's the right term to use, but nonetheless, we come to Christ, we confess Him as our Lord and Savior. But we also have to realize that initial prayer for salvation, however you may word that prayer, is only the beginning. Now, we're saved, but does that mean we, don't have, we never pray again? No. Prayers need to be a continued value part of our life. So again, we're going to take some scripture this morning. I think give us some good principles and to learn how to pray effectively and certainly be consistent in our prayer life. The first key truth is, number one, God invites us to pray. Isn't that amazing? Uh, 
but he also promises to answer it. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 7. Somebody read verses 7 through 11, please. Amen. Kind of interesting, uh, as Christ began his, what, throughout his ministry uh, here on earth for three and a half years, uh, one of the things he did was focus on God as our Father. Now, that wasn't just unique to the, uh, to the New Testament. Uh, we find it in the Old Testament as well, but not nearly as much as we do uh, in the New Testament itself. Uh, because the problem is, for most of the Jews throughout the Old Testament, God was distant. Uh, he was someone you couldn't approach, you couldn't draw near to. Uh, they were afraid to uh, for, for various reasons, and, and some were good reasons, of course. We know that. But the bottom line is, um, even though God is who he is, even though God transcends everything, he created everything, it's interesting to me that God wants us to come and to pray to him. That's just amazing to me. This, I'll never get over uh, that fact. Now, please understand, uh, that doesn't take away from God's majesty, nor his authority, uh, because he's still there. But it's interesting, Jesus kind of uses uh, what we call family terminology as he speaks of uh, the Father. Now, one of the things, one of the parables that Jesus told in Luke 15 uh, was the parable of the prodigal son. And in that parable, do you know, who did the Father represent? God, okay? So God represented as, as a heavenly Father, uh, one that uh, certainly wanted his son to come back, one that welcomed him back. And that's the kind of heavenly Father we serve today. And our heavenly Father, uh, he invites us to pray. He invites us to pray. Now remember, this God is all-knowing, he's powerful, he's omniscient. All of those things are true about God. But every day, God wants us to bring our needs to Him. Now, my question is, will God ever tell us He doesn't have time for us? No. We can go to God every day of our lives. So He invites us to pray to come to Him with our needs. So God is not cold. He's not distant. He's not harsh uh, in that way. Uh, he wants us to see him as our loving Heavenly Father who is eager to hear our prayer requests. But not only hear them, he wants to respond to them. Now, does that mean he will always answer the way we want him to? No, but he will reply to our needs. Now, thank you, Dan, for reading that a moment ago. But as you read that, I want to remind everyone when Jesus said, this, you know, to ask, seek, and knock, uh, scholars tell us that in the Greek it means a continual thing. We continually seek, asking, and knocking. We, we keep on doing that. We are uh, not only consistent, but we're persistent in our 
prayer life. And, of course, that applies to these uh, verses. Now, remember, when we, when we see and we hear these invitations to pray, uh, to bring our need before God, we have to understand those uh, promises uh, and that privilege of prayer, the promise of hearing uh, an answer from God, is certainly uh, for those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His children. We're one of His children, and God invites us uh, to pray. But as we mentioned in our Get Started, it's not a blank check. It doesn't mean we get what we want. And, and by the way, why is that true? Why don't we always get what we want? Say it again. You mean I don't? No, we don't. We fool ourselves sometimes, but God does know what is best. And, you know, you probably said the same thing or thought the same thing. There have been things in my life I've asked for, and later on I thought, Lord, I'm so thankful you didn't give that to me. I'm glad you didn't grant that request, that petition that I had. Now, it didn't mean he didn't answer it. He said no, or maybe wait a while. So God does respond. Now, it's interesting. We also know, uh, you know, James said if we ask uh, for selfish desires, if we ask amiss, God's not going to hear our prayer. So we have to understand that. And uh, there are so many things that can uh, cause our prayers uh, to be un- unanswered. Uh, in Psalm 66, uh, the Bible says, if you regard iniquity in, in your heart, God won't hear your prayer. In Proverbs 28, verse 9, if we turn away from the law, there's disobedience. Uh, it'll hinder our prayers. Uh, in James, he says, if we pray doubting, if we're wavering, uh, it's not going to uh, help us in our prayer life. He also says, if you ask for the wrong reason, if you ask for a selfish reason, God doesn't have to answer our prayers. Now, remember, when Paul wrote to Church of Thessalonica, he said we're to pray without ceasing. And I'll be preaching a little bit on that this morning in our morning message. But another thing is this. uh, To me, it's amazing to me that God, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, He wants us, He wants me, you and I, to communicate with Him in prayer. But He also gives the offer of responding and granting our request and meeting our needs. So, in the way of application, understand this so important. Prayer should be a regular habit because we know that God has invited us to pray. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time the president of our country calls you and wants to talk with you? Not just the one now, any of them, right? They don't have time for us. We know that. But God invites us to come to talk with Him. So here's a question. How does that make you feel? Knowing that God wants you to spend time with Him in prayer. How does that make you feel? Why you say that, Cheryl? That's right, amen. Somebody else. I count it a privilege, don't you? I'm privileged. (laughs) That he wants me to spend time in prayer with him. So what 
what are some ways, how, how would a regular habit of prayer, how would that look? A regular habit of prayer, how would that be fleshed out? Oh, every day, yes. Is that always easy to do? No, we've got to make time for it. Okay, we make time to spend time in prayer. Setting aside a few minutes uh, for extended prayer. But how many know you can pray while you're driving? Please keep your eyes open, okay? But you can. You can pray you know, while you're working, doing any kind of task, uh, little short prayers through the day. All that's included in praying consistently and continually. So number one, God does invite us to pray and promise to answer. But number two, and this is so good, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 26 and 27. Amen. Thank you, Alan. It, folks, this is so good. This is so good. Uh, Lavenda, you mentioned a moment ago, uh, we have to pray according to the will of God, right? If we want our prayers, if, if we expect God to answer our prayers, it's got to be according to the will of God. And uh, the fact of the matter, <clears throat> in fact, our study guide made the comment that we don't always know how to pray. I'm not sure I ever know how to pray. Isn't that true? Um, and we struggle with that. And certainly we don't, we don't want to pray selfishly. We, we don't want to be wishy-washy in our prayers. But the problem is we need the Spirit of God to pray for us because we often don't know the will of God. Now, there are certain things the Bible is clear on, without a doubt. And there's no, you know, uh, changing that part by His will. And we, but we don't know the entire will of God for our lives personally. So we ask God in prayer for that. And we don't always know all the purposes of God for our lives. So Paul reminds us uh, that that's why the Spirit of God intercedes for us. He helps us in our weakness, the things we don't know how to pray about, or even the things we think we know how to pray about. He helps us to even deal with those areas of our life. Now, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God that today you got saved, the very moment you got saved, the Spirit of God moved into your life. Now, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I heard somebody say the other day about praying for somebody to receive the Holy Spirit. If you were saved, you received the Spirit the day you got saved. And He lives in us. And what's interesting, as we pray, the Spirit of God intercedes for us in ways that we're not able to. Our wisdom doesn't go that far. Our abilities are not that good. And the Spirit of God prays for us. Now, somebody explain that to me. We can't do it. it this is really something we cannot fully comprehend. In fact, Paul says the Spirit of God prays in groanings that are simply too deep for us, for human words. And so there's no way. Now, I, you know, we study about God. We've been doing a series now for almost a year on the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
But the bottom line is there's no way we can fully comprehend or even begin to understand the inner workings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's beyond our grasp. And so that's why it's important to know that the Holy Spirit helps us when we pray. And he takes our requests. And he intercedes for us, and he carries them to the throne of God. Thank God for that. So not only does God invite us to pray, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us pray when we don't know how to pray. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus actually began in chapter 13 but uh, and 14. He began to tell the disciples he has to go away. And how did they feel? How do you think they felt? Yeah, they didn't want him to leave. But he made a promise in John 14. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. And it literally means I will not leave you as an orphan. You won't be left alone. He said, I will give you the Holy Spirit. He will intercede for you. And he will empower, not only your lives, he will empower your praying. Now, I need to ask a question here. Most of you know, at least have an overview of the New Testament. Is it not true that once the Spirit of God came, the lives of the apostles were changed? They were more bold. They weren't afraid anymore. They didn't care about being arrested. I'm sure they didn't like it, but they stood for the... Why? Because the Spirit of God empowered them not only to live for Christ, but also to be able to pray according to the will of God. God. So the Spirit of God lives in us. He intercedes for us. And thank God for that. I'm so glad for the Holy Spirit of God. Now, by the way, when Paul wrote about the Christian armor in Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 6, he says that we're to pray in the Spirit. Now, some folks have taken that out of context, and, and they would tell you it means to pray in tongues. That is not what it means. In fact, to pray in the Spirit means to be in communion with God, uh, with the power of the Spirit. It means to pray according to the Spirit's leading. It means that we are trusting that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And so we have to understand, if we are going to have a, a meaningful prayer life, The Holy Spirit is a very vital part of that time we spend in prayer to God. The Spirit of God intercedes for us. The Apostle Jude, when he wrote his letter, uh, he spoke about uh, praying in the Spirit. And Jude realized that praying in the Spirit was a very vital part of building up our faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jude understood we live in difficult days. And that's why we have to pray in communion with the Holy Spirit. And that's especially for us today as we live as the, Christ, the day of Christ's return is getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Now, first of all, who, which believers are supposed to pray? All of us. Every one of us are called to pray. But here's the good news. We're not called to pray on our own strength or alone. Because the Spirit of God lives in us, and our prayers 
are empowered through the Spirit of God who lives in us. And again, he helps us, according to Paul in Romans, pray according to the will of God. So number one, apply it this way. Listen for the Holy Spirit's direction as you pray and trust him to intercede for you. Now, let me remind you, the Bible says the Spirit of God intercedes for us. What does that mean? Does he do it or not? Yes. That's a promise from the Word of God. He intercedes for us. We can count on that every time when we pray. So my question is, one of the questions is, in what ways does the Holy Spirit help us uh, or direct us and help us when we pray? How does he do that? What are some of the ways? What are some of the ways? Well, number one, he might lead us to pray a certain direction, a certain way. He might bring a, a, a scripture to mind. Uh, or maybe put someone on our heart to pray for. So many things. And we know he intercedes for us. Uh, Sometimes, if you're like me, when you go to pray, you really don't know what to say. You don't know how to put into words what you want to express. And so the Holy Spirit is able to express our needs before the Father, especially when we don't know how or what to pray. The Spirit of God lives in us. So number one, God invites us to pray. I'm so glad for that. and promise to answer. Number two... The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. Number three, the Bible gives principles for effective prayer. Now, we're going to take them one at a time, those verses today. And before we begin each one, uh, I want to remind you, first of all, can prayer be simple? Yes. In fact, prayer is so simple, it can be taught to a child in very little time. But also understand, prayer is so complex, we'll spend a lifetime trying to develop our prayer lives. Now think about that. And to do it well. So, I'd like for you to turn to chapter 13 of the book of Hezekiah where it says how to pray in seven easy steps. First of all, there's no book of Hezekiah, right? And what about a chapter on how to pray in seven easy steps in the Bible? We don't find it, do we? But let me give you some good news. The Bible does give us some principles. If we're going to pray well and pray effectively. And the first principle is we've got to pray in faith. Matthew 21, verse 22. We read it during our get started. Uh, anybody want to read it again? Matthew 21, 22. Now, the context of this, uh, this is, of course, the last week of the ministry of Christ here on this earth in, in the flesh. I'll put it that way. And uh, the day before, he came upon a fig tree, Jesus did, and he wanted some figs. And the fig tree didn't have any figs. What did Jesus do? You remember? He cursed that tree. 
And the next morning, they come by and guess what? That tree is deader than four o'clock. I mean, it's dead. And they were amazed. They were amazed that that tree had withered that quickly. And so in response to their amazement, Jesus says, if you could believe, you could move mountains. And that's when he gave this great promise. Jesus said, if you would pray in faith, you will receive whatever you ask. Now, by the way, I am convinced that promise is not just for then, it's for us today. We have to pray in faith. But as we said during our Get Started time, it's not a blank check. It was never designed to be because the Bible teaches there are other principles that God provides if our prayer lives are going to be effective. But still, the the important thing is, this does mean that when we pray, and we believe that God hears us and will answer our prayers, God will respond. I was reading this morning uh, in Acts chapter 12, where Herod had John's brother James killed. And when he saw how it pleased the people, he decided to arrest Peter. And we're going to take care of him after Passover. And so the church gathers... And they're praying for Peter, praying that God would deliver him. And early in the morning, there's a a knock at the door. Who was it? It was Peter. And this is what amazes me. I never caught this. I was reading this morning. The young girl, Rhoda, she answered the door. And, you know, she was so excited because she knew, she believed it was Peter. She was so excited To see him, she forgot to open the door and let him in. She runs back to tell the rest of the prayer meeting, Hey, guess who's outside? It's Peter. And they said, Go away. Don't bother. We're praying that God will deliver him. What was the problem there? Sometimes when we pray, we don't really believe God answered that prayer. So the Bible says we've got to pray in faith. We must pray in faith. So second of all, in John 14, verses 13 through 14, we've got to pray in Jesus' name. Anybody got that verse? Those two verses. Okay, thank you, Brother Dan. Now, every time I I say a prayer, doesn't matter where I'm at, I always say, I pray this in Jesus' name. And certainly that's part of it. And here in John's gospel, Christ had already explained his relationship to his father. And then he says to the disciples, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. And again, that's why we pray in Jesus' name. 
But I want to remind you this morning, it's more than just repeating those words. Whenever we say we're praying in Jesus' name, uh, it, it means to reflect on who he is. And by the way, in that society, that's exactly what the name meant. It, it was something important. Uh, it was given to uh, maybe to describe somebody's social status. Uh, maybe that name meant their family heritage, their personality. Or maybe it even uh, expressed the desires the parents had for that child when they grew up. So that name meant a whole lot of things. It, it really uh, sort of summed up everything he or she would be. So the name was more than just a name. It included all of those things. So we're not just repeating words. We are praying in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we're praying in the name of Jesus, when I say I prayed in Jesus' name, what I'm saying is I'm praying for what he stands for, according to what he stands for, not uh, asking for anything contrary uh, to his teaching or his character. It also means when I pray in his name, I don't pray on my own merits. I don't have any. I pray on his. He alone has the power to intercede for me and to hear my prayers. But it also means I pray according to his will. I, I keep God's character, uh, keeping with God's character and what God wants for my life. I pray according to his will. But I also pray according to the glory of God. And by the way, who gets the credit? God does. God gets the credit. And then I pray for his sake. In accordance with his divine purposes. So we pray in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. And thirdly, we pray in submission to God's will and his purposes. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 12. Anybody want to read verses 7 through 10? Uh, Dan, I know you know that the Apostle Paul is writing here. Um, would you would you agree with this statement? Paul must have been weak in faith. Definitely not. We know he prayed in faith, don't we? We know he had the faith. And uh, Dan, you just read that he he asked God three times, and three times what did God tell him? No. No. Wow. Maybe Paul didn't know how to pray. You know that's not true. You know that's not true. But here's what Paul realized and what we need to realize. God's purposes are far beyond our own. Now remember, 
Lavinia, you mentioned earlier on one of the things about prayer, we've got to pray according to God's will. Was it God's will that this thorn be removed from Paul? No. It simply wasn't the will of God. Also understand, now we're not told what the thorn of the flesh is. I think it was some kind of fleshly uh, thorn myself because it says thorn of the flesh, but that maybe doesn't, but it's still something God allowed. But I, I, I do believe that God had something greater for Paul. Something Paul didn't realize at the time, but he began to learn that. Now again, Paul prayed that God would take away this thorn of the flesh. But God said no. He refused. And here's what's interesting. And Dan, you just read a moment ago, Paul talked about reproaches, necessities, persecutions. He talked about being in distress. Did he experience stuff like that? Sure he did. Sure he did. Now, again, we don't know why. Uh, my opinion, this is only my opinion. Uh, you know, Paul, I got been caught up in the third heaven, saw things that were not lawful to speak. And, and maybe God just gave him this to humble him. I don't know. But it's during those times of persecution, those times of hardship, that Paul wrote some of the most wonderful letters we have in the New Testament. God used Paul extensively. So we have to understand, we've got to pray in faith. We've got to pray in Jesus' name. And we've got to pray in submission to God's will and to God's purposes. Now, uh, Dan, you just read that in uh, 2 Corinthians 12. Do you get the sense Paul was mad at God when he, didn't, when he said no? Well, sure. Yeah, he did. That's exactly true. Yeah. And, you know, again, but I, I look at this, Paul's uh, attitude here. Because what God said to Paul was this. He said, Paul, I want you to understand, whatever you go through, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't we need to hear that? God's grace is sufficient. And God reminded Paul that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. When we realize we cannot do it on our own. And I don't think for a minute, now certainly Paul prayed three times. He wanted to go away. But I don't think he ended up being mad at God. He simply understood God had some type of greater purpose in mind. And that's why we've got to pray in faith, pray in Jesus' name, pray according to God's purposes and God's will. But the fourth thing we've got to do, we have to live in obedience to God's commandments. First John 3, look at verses 21 through 22. First John 3, 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence 
toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In verse 20, John had talked about when our heart does condemn us. But now in verse 21, he says, if our heart does not condemn us. You see, when our hearts condemn us, we are guilt-ridden. When our hearts condemn us, we are unsure with our standing with God. And whenever our hearts are not at rest, we will not want to draw near to God. We want to flee his presence. So John says, give us good news. When our hearts are clear, when we've got a fresh account with God, we've cleaned this late through confession, our hearts are not condemning us. It's those times in our life we have the assurance we can approach God when our consciences are clear. We can come to God without fear. We can come to God with a bold confidence. And then in verse 22, John says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. So if we are going to expect God to hear and answer our prayers, we've got to ask in faith. We've got to pray in the name of Christ. We've got to pray according to his will and his purposes. But also, we have to be living lives in obedience to his word. And without a doubt, we talked about it earlier, whatsoever you ask in my name, I'll give it to you. But the Bible also makes it clear for that to be true, obedience is a key factor if we're going to have our prayers answered. If we are living in rebellion against God, uh, don't ever expect God to answer your prayers. He simply won't do that. Now, by the way, the only prayer of the unsaved that God answers is a prayer of repentance. You understand that? That's the only prayer he answers. In fact, that's taught in Psalm 66, Proverbs 29, I'm sorry, 28, Isaiah chapter 59. All of these things talk about what separates from God and sin is what it is. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. And so God is under no obligation to answer any prayer of those who are disobedient except the prayer of repentance. Now, so here we have four, I think, important principles to help you and I to pray effectively. Pray in faith, in Jesus' name, understanding what His purpose and will is, and make sure our lives are obedient to the Word of God. Folks, I want to tell you, prayer is one of the greatest privileges we have as Christians. We can go to God anytime, day or night. He never tires of hearing our, our requests, and He will never turn us away. How much time have I got left, Jason? Okay, I've got time then. Um, 
most of us uh, know the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew 6 is one example we have it there. And uh, how's that prayer start out? Anybody remember the first few words? Yeah, our Father which art in heaven, then what? Hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, it's our adoration. He's our Father. His name is to be hallowed. Now, by the way, I, I, we always call it the Lord's Prayer, but really it's a model prayer, wouldn't you agree? Uh, the disciples of the Lord teach us how to pray. And the, one of the first parts of our prayers ought to be adoration for God. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Help me out. Wayne, you said it, didn't you? Ah, what's that mean? Yeah, that's submission. We begin in adoration and then we move on to submission. And then he goes on, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's petition. And give us this day our daily bread. And then for thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. That's the benediction. So our prayer needs to include adoration. It needs to include submission, petition, and benediction. Folks, our God is worthy. He is worthy. George Mueller has been called the greatest man of prayer since the New Testament times. Uh, if you're like me, you're listening to uh, some good, I hope it's good, biblical preaching on the radio. Not all of it is good, but a lot of it is. But normally, no matter what program it is that you're listening to, uh, before it's over, what are they usually asking for? Say it again. For what, Alan? Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong at all. Because it costs money to take the word out. And, uh, you know, a lot of these ministries send out booklets uh, and books for free to those who can't afford it. And so they do a great work. But George Mueller, again, uh, he began to establish orphanages. And he determined from day one, he said, I will never ask anybody for a penny. But I will do, I'm going to depend on God. I'm going to take all of my petitions about our orphanage. I'm going to take it to God. And if you ever get a chance, Google George Mueller. Some of the amazing stories. Uh, about some amazing answers to his prayers. And he never received a penny that he asked for. But it was all provided because God answered his prayers. He answered his prayers. And folks, I want to say to you today, our God invites us to pray. And he promises to respond to our prayers. Now, it may not be the response we had hoped for. You know, the Apostle Paul, we looked at him a moment ago. He asked God to remove that thorn of the flesh. Three times God said no. But God does respond. And folks, do you realize, and listen to me, folks. Sometimes I think we make prayer too difficult. Uh, 
What word can you come up with that will amaze God? None. And if you're a country boy like me, I don't have any at all hardly, right? But the fact of the matter is, praying to me, one effective way to pray is imagine myself sitting on a bench in the park and God sitting right next to me. Just taking that time and communicating with him. Taking our requests to God. Taking our requests to God. Apply it. Follow biblical principles when you pray. We've got time for a quick question. We know that sometimes God says no. Why would he do that? Yes, he knows what's best. He knows tomorrow, does he not? And he knows his will for our life. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of prayer. Next week, Second Peter chapter 1, being equipped for godliness. Let's all stand. Father, we praise you today for your goodness and for your mercy. I pray, Lord, that you will challenge us to pray. You've invited us, Lord, so help us to pray and to pray regularly. Thank you for the promise of your response. We'll give you the praise and glory, and we pray it all in the precious name of Christ. Amen. God bless each one of you. Thank you for coming.